time for Laurie and Lynn. Local talk to start your weekend right. And now, Laurie and Lynn on WILK. everybody you're listening to laurie and lynn show on this what's it gonna be like snowy saturday i or yeah. cold anyway it's Brr. really winter thank yes, you it is as sean used to say me's no like a snow <laughs> yeah that's, that's how it cute. is yeah <laughs> Yes, yes, Tommy so. actually used to say that. You know, the funniest thing, he went when um, years ago, Tommy was two and a half, and he went to Mar my sister-in-law, Mara McGowan Foley's house. And she, when she was married to Kevin, and I was married to Tom, we they we were living at the Foley house on, Mon on Monroe for a while before we moved to the Poconos. And um, Sean... Kevin took Sean, or Tommy, to um, the McGowan's house, and they had nine children. You know, Mara has nine, eight brothers and sisters, and it was just crazy, crazy. And he came in, so Kevin had him for a couple hours. He came in, and he came running right to me, and he's hugging and holding on to me. And I said, what's wrong, Tommy? He said, Mommy, me's not like it to Begowman's. Me's not like it to Begowman's. <laughs> Begowman's. Their name was McGowan. But anyway, I said, what? And it was, and Kevin was laughing so hard because he said she, it was just so funny because he's so calm and, you know, passive and, yeah. and they were like, and he just yeah. didn't know where to look and he was an only child, you know, yes. so he didn't have that right. kind of, that's not how we were, you know, and oh my God, so funny. So when I don't like something to this day, I still say, me's not like it to Begowman's. <laughs> So, anyway, love the McGowans. That's sweet. My Mara. Big shout out to my Mara McGowan Yay. Foley, school teacher. She teaches uh, elementary, um, one of the, I don't know if it's kindergarten or first grade, or is it third now, one of those at Whittier, right across the street from where she grew up. Nice. So, she's there, and she's been there lots of years in the Scranton School District, mm -hmm. and I love her, and she's so good. She's just such a good girl. So anyway, I um, want to talk about our brunch on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, we could. I want to talk, give a big shout out to the Gilmartins who hosted a brunch. We have what's called every year Tomato Tuesday in August, and Michael um, does something wonderful with tomatoes, and we have a group of people that go. And so since we didn't do it this year, we did add the Nada called and said, "What well, you suggest it. Let's go out to dinner yes. and do that and just get together. And then Nada said, well, we'll do a brunch at our house. Not to, to the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, we're not going to not go to dinner as oh, well. Yeah. We'll do okay. that as well. We have to make a plan yes. for that. But <laughs> just to get together. And so there, uh, Michael and Nada hosted it at their home, along with their daughter, Katie, and um, Jason Kavulich, and Lynn and Pat, and um, Randy Williams, and Deb Dudley, and um, Evie Rafalco McNulty, and Deb and John Peterson, and yours truly, and Meyer Moskowitz. So there were 13 of us. Mm -hmm. It was a lovely, Michael is such a phenomenal cook, uh, chef. Um, it was great. So we had a wonderful time. Everybody got along. It was great. It was just really a nice, and the way we sat around the table 
in the dining room. I know. It just and it's, it's something that Deb Dudley said. It makes me feel like I'm at a B and B. Yeah. And this is the the dining room table yes. where all the guests come uh -huh. and get together for mm -hmm. the meal, and that's just the kind of way that it is. It's an older home, you know, a, a tiny little house that they've done a fabulous job with and the thing that just still continues to amaze me is that all the walls up and down the steps and in the dining room dining room were all hand painted by Michael mm -hmm. who was um, is a retired art teacher and it's just spectacular to see that kind of stuff on the walls. Well, it's an older like farmhousey yeah. kind of is it I don't know what you would call it. What is it? I should know that. I don't but it's know. just beautiful front porch in the backyard, and then they, there's the addition on the back. So it's um, it's a lovely, beautiful home. And of course, if you know Nada and Michael, and you know their store, you know that their home is going to be as equally as beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, just everything about it is just so inviting, and it just it's just wonderful to be there. I just mm -hmm. love, love, love it, love it. And it, we, you know, in the family room, and it, like, you know, goes right into the kitchen. It was just so nice. And then we had the, some of us sat in the dining room, some back in the family room, but it was wonderful. It was just um, a perfect flow and a lovely, lovely... Um, very relaxed very. day. And then a very lovely nice. afternoon. And then yes. after that, we went, Meyer and I went to Lynn and Pat's house and we watched the Eagles game. And of course, it's long afterwards that you're hearing us talk about it. But I, my, when my son Sean called, he was like, Mom, I could hear you screaming in... <laughs> In, in DC, I said yes. Yeah, you were a little out of control. Just I was a just a little because I was just so mad. And then you think, oh, these things are so routine, like baseball yes. games. They're going to catch them when they pop it up. And then yes. you think this, and then the first time, and then they, as Meyer said, they iced them when they, th you know, threw a. He called a timeout yep. right when he kicked it, and it yep. went through that time. Yes, it did. So the second time it hit. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the guy, but I'm happy the Eagles won. So, yes. like, you know, it's a momentary, think, uh poor guy, but then, I okay. think most people feel the same way. They feel, who were Eagles fans, they felt very strongly that... Yay, we won, but bad for the guy because but I it have, was just sad. I for know, him. but I have to tell you, the yay we won was so over the top more <laughs> than the sorry, buddy. <laughs> and I'm not usually like that because you know I'm always I, emotion gets me. Yes. But I and I yeah I, st I do I feel bad for him, but it, that was so so ex the, the way it ended was phenomenal, and I just. It it's was just a very, great. very exciting game. It really yes. was. It kept everybody very much Because it was engaged. a low-scoring game, too. And so. it was back and forth and back yep. and forth, and it, that's an it keeps exciting it, game. That keeps it going. It keeps your, yeah. like, a tennis match. Boom, boom. So, um, yeah. So, hooray, hooray. And we had a lovely evening. at, And then we watched the Golden Globes yeah. after I made my requested salad. It's kind of sad when people know you for what, how are you good at making or cooking anything? And Lynn said, yeah, Laurie is a salad, but I do do a pretty good job it's at it. It's a great salad. It's yeah. one I look forward to. Uh -huh. And the other thing is, you know, I'm not a fan of um, iceberg lettuce. But this works. But this, well, the this combination. Works. It works. It, it works. Yeah. It's really, really good. I used to hate iceberg. Yes. Like, we grew up with it. Yeah. And one time my exactly. father took it out of the refrigerator because he was looking for something. He was 
was mad at me, and he whipped a head of lettuce at my brother Jimmy. <laughs> Literally took the head of lettuce and whipped it at him. But um, <laughs> he didn't get hurt, didn't hit him hard. Oh, hard, but, my God. You know, they call that child abuse? Yes, today? yes, yes. Okay, fine. But anyway... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I see that, I just want to whip it somewhere. But oh my it, gosh! I, and then it became so like it, people. It was like you people tur turned their nose up at iceberg yes. for so many years, and I kind of did too yeah. because of the line. There's no nutritional benefit. Exactly. It's all water and in yes. a bee. And then those wedge salads just started to become more and more popular. Yeah. Or maybe they always were, and people just poo pooed it so bad they didn't do it. <laughs> um, I shouldn't have said that in that term, but. Um, <laughs> You, you just, it's just, I don't know if that, which one was true, but now I think it's made a huge comeback. And of course, with the romaine epidemic, exactly. it, iceberg right became, it. right, it fed right into it, no pun intended. It yeah. just that, but I like the combination of the two and I like the real crunchy part. So when I yes. go, I know this is weird, but when I'm in a grocery store, I'm standing there feeling the heads of lettuce oh, and like no. holding them. Like if they weigh nothing, they're not going to be crunchy. Right. So I always have to get like a good, you know, got to have some substance. And that one was good. And when we go out for dinner mm -hmm. on, and we get a salad and there's iceberg lettuce in it, especially right towards the core of it. You I usually it give it to me. Put you it say over on your plate. Because I love the crunchy hearts <laughs> of that. And you you didn't give me one of them last You're thing. You're right. <laughs> I did not give you one because the salad dressing was so wonderful uh -huh. and everything else. I know. I yeah, know. so it was good. Yeah, so enough about talking about salads. Okay, so I always have a shout out to yes. um, Dr. Tony Pollitt and uh, Monica uh, Howard, I believe. Yes, I got her name right. Um these two people are from Pollitt and Costello Dentistry in uh, Pittston. Pollitt? Pollitt and oh, God. Costello. I'm thinking Pollitt and Dentistry. No. That's a little... Okay. There's a line there, but I won't say it on the air. So, okay. They, they should all be comfortable knowing that I'm not going to say it. Anyway... Um, they did some really good stuff with my teeth, and um, they're just their service has been phenomenal. And, and I are just want to say, Pittston on Main Street. Oh, Pittston. Okay. Yeah, really I know good. where it is. I've seen that before. Yes. So it's very nice, clean. Um, Why did you go to them place. in Pittston? Be, uh, it's interesting how I got to him. I was reading Prevention Magazine, and there was something about the story in there was just maybe a paragraph about the fact that uh, some new inventions that have come out recently in the last year uh, in the area of medicine and medical devices and things like that, and this was one of them, was that there's an, another alternative to the CPAP machine that people who have sleep apnea can look at. I mean, there's there's some very severe stuff you could do, which is some surgery, and that's a mess but this was an alternative that actually comes from a dentist so that you're moving your jawline forward with a device that you put in your in your mouth and it helps you to sleep and doesn't clog up the airways so that you can still breathe and it serves the purpose of dealing with sleep apnea in another way rather than the traditional CPAP machine so I went down I, I looked it up online and there's an American Dental Association, blah, 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 blah. And I found that these guys were local, and so I made an appointment to go and see them. And that's how it evolved that I didn't end up doing that. 
but he also discovered that I apparently am someone who grinds my teeth at night. Yeah, most people do, I think. And so there's a device that I got, and it I put it in my mouth at night before I go to bed, and it helps to stop that and also takes the pressure off my TMJ. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah. So I just wanted to say a shout out to them. They're wonderful people and they're very courteous. They are very um, accommodating and they're just a good group of people that you can tell they all get along very well. <clears throat> so yay for them. Wow. And um, one other little thing I wanted to throw out here, um, AARP bulletin that we talked about some stuff. I, I don't know how I missed this because... Um, they, they have an article in here about the celebrating a great 2018, 18 things that the AARP group have accomplished in that year. And number three on the list is what they had, which is the title. AARP collaborated with film distribution company Bleecker Street on the release of the movie starring Hilary Swank and Blythe Danner, which explores what can happen inside a family when there is a caregiving crisis. Well, Bleecker Street Media happens to be the company. I know. My, my stepson is the president of. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to do a shout out to him and say, you know, that was wonderful that that kind of collaboration existed because that's a very important topic. Caregiving and you know, as, as we move into our 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever, and the uh, approach of Alzheimer's and dementia is just increasing multiple fold, uh, we need to take a look at things like this. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm glad they did that. Okay, well, we are going to take a quick break. You're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn Show, and we will be right back. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising, PR, and special event business. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC. It's a financial planning firm designed specifically for the financial planning needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, which is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Let's talk today a little bit about the top 10 money fears, Yee. Um, mostly for women and what to do about them. This was an article that was in Forbes magazine uh, quite a while ago, but it's still obviously valid. So the first one they talk about is bag lady syndrome, which is a real big one. In which, how? It, well, the most documented female money fear is commonly referred that to you, as the bag lady syndrome. That people are afraid that's what will happen? Or, or anxiety about finding yourself suddenly destitute and on skid row. Now, here's some very interesting names of women who supposedly reported <coughs> suffering from this fear. Lily Tomlin, Gloria Steinem, Shirley MacLaine, and Katie Couric. They all had these fears. <clears throat> Solution, Susan Hirschman, author of, I love this title. I wish I had one like this. Does this make my assets look fat? 
<laughs> I love it. Isn't that great? Love it. She urges women to take control of what they can by creating a plan that covers spending, savings, and insurance coverage and updating it every three to five years. Hello, I would say the same. This way you can have a sense of worst case scenarios and have a plan in place if the worst happens. And another woman said, live below your means and don't have a lifestyle that eats up all your income. Okay, we know that, but uh. you know, what it really, that's just kind of lame. Okay, Shut up. number two, yeah, exactly. <laughs> number two, old maid syndrome. Many women worry that if they don't marry, they'll never be able to support themselves. And and she, this woman who said that is the author of It's Only Money, So Why Does It Cause So Many Problems? Solution, according to her, is to create your own financial plan based on your own income and work it. Seeing the projections in print should help calm your fears and prove to yourself that you can rely on yourself for financial security. Number three, not smart enough. Um, there's another woman, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury. She's a money coach and an author. Her book is called Wealth from the Inside Out. Says she often hears women complain, I'm too stupid to learn about finance. It's not that you're not smart enough. It's, it's that you have not been socialized to talk about finance with others. And women tend to learn through conversation. That is so on point. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about money. Y you and I talk about it, really, because we're doing the show and we have opportunity to do it. But other than that, when we're out socially, how many times do women ever talk about money? You never hear it. Well... And again, historic, you never were able, you, we grew up with not talking about it. Right. Right? Yeah. So we didn't do it. We don't do it. And I think the thing is, if women started, you know, you and I and Sunita Aurora had talked about this a long time ago, that we would like to get together groups of women and talk about things like, in this case, real estate. Why would you want to own real estate? What does real estate do for you? I could do the thing on financial planning, on investments and things like that. Women, I think, would be very interested in learning about it through conversation, not necessarily that you have to listen to something or read a book, even though, you know, I'd like you to read my book. Power of the Purse, available on amazon.com there you go <laughs> but the point is um i think that if we started talking about it and not in not necessarily in a threatening way or in a in a fearful way but just to conversational give just, it just passes and the things you pick up when you talk that's the thing about exactly. it exactly you don't it, the, um, i'm an auditory learner which i think a lot of people are me too so if you're hearing it you that's the way you're going to you process it, you process it differently, then, right? Okay. Like, put, get to, tell me to read it, and I don't retain it like right. I do if I hear it. Well, that's why I think that we should consider really um, talking about and developing these money circles that mm -hmm. I've talked about, especially in the book, because it's an opportunity for women to just sit down and talk about things. It's a guided conversation, so it's not just we're going to talk about what you did last week at the grocery store. You know, it's an opportunity to really talk about some things that are in our world, and we, we deal with them all the time, but we never talk about them. And to go so, one step further with those circles is to have lists of information. I can't tell you how many people ask me, who should I go to 
for this? Who do you recommend this person? How do you, what about a good dentist? What about a good this? What yeah. about people ask that all the time? And those kind of things could be discussed as well. Absolutely. Now, offering advice on why you should choose to work or do with someone because you have that kind of experience. Yeah. It goes hand in hand with what you're talking about. And then number four, good girl syndrome. Many women do not ask for raises for fear of being fired. Yet researchers at the University of Illinois and Southern Methodist University found that women who consistently negotiated their salaries increased their lifetime compensation by $1 million. Uh -huh. The solution, negotiation, is a skill and it can be learned. She points out that women negotiate all the time with husbands, kids, and colleagues. To feel confident about negotiating for a raise, practice with a friend or professional coach. Number five, the swindle syndrome. The fear of falling victim to financial scams mean women do not adequately invest and plan for the future. The answer is get involved in your financial plan. Figure out where you are today, set goals for the future, and find a financial advisor who can help you reach those goals. If you can't understand the advisor's process or they get annoyed at your questions, look for another advisor. It's also a good idea to vet advisors at FINRA, F-I-N-R-A dot org or S-E-C dot gov. Um, the other thing, too, is that on my website, I have an article you can download about 13 or 15 questions you can ask a financial planner when you go to visit with them to see if it's a good fit. Use it. It's free. Mm -hmm. Number six, being a burden. Many women worry about becoming a financial burden on their families. Um, a recent survey found that 72% of women do not discuss the issue with their loved ones for fear of upsetting them. The solution, find out how much health, disability, and long-term care insurance you need and can afford. Then start the conversation with your family. Mm -hmm. Number seven, off-ramping for children. Women often fear that if they take time off to raise children, their careers and finances will suffer, and they have good reason to be scared. Um, a study by Women's Institute for a, secure for a Secure Retirement found that over her lifetime, a typical college-educated 25-year-old will earn $500,000 less than a man in a similar position because of sporadic employment associated with caring for children and aging parents. Aww. So the solution is to keep a foot in the game. You have to work at least quarter time to stay up to date with what's going on in your field and stay in touch with the key players. You also have to invest more aggressively than men who have greater access to employer-sponsored retirement plans and you contribute more to Social Security since, and, and they contribute more to Social Security because they're less likely to take time off. Number eight, aging relatives. Since the majority of caregivers are women, many worry that their retirement plans will be thwarted by caring for an aging relative. The answer, consult with an estate planner to make sure there are sufficient insurance, assets, and arrangements to meet the needs of the older person. Then give yourself permission to enjoy life while ensuring the elderly relative is cared for. Communicate with other family members to share the responsibilities of time, care, and money, and hire professional help when appropriate. Then allow those professionals to take over some of the burden and make caring for yourself a priority.
You are no good as a supporter if you're frazzled and miserable and not able to be present. That's a mantra that keeps getting thrown at me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Number nine, emergency funds. Women often fret they don't have enough cash on hand for emergencies. As a result, they hoard savings in low-interest accounts and do not grow their wealth. And okay. the solutions talk to a professional about the advantages of compound interest and research the price you could be paying for holding your cash on the sidelines for too long. Number 10, harming others. Harming Wim others. Women often panic that their financial decisions will mean they let others down. Mm. And that's, this is the crux of it all for so many women. Women take on so many roles in the family. Mom, wife, bill payer, tax preparer, homework guru. They hold themselves to extremely high standards and worry that some, someone's going to be let down. The solution? Prioritize your finances and write it all down, from paying the mortgage to buying the kids' lunches. Lists are critical in the financial world. That should alleviate fear that you're not going to miss anything. That was a good article because I think that's really on point for how women are with money. And we worry too much about what everybody else thinks. We don't take care of ourselves. Even when it comes to that. Yeah. We worry about it for so many things, and that's the big one. Yeah, it is big. Because as we will hear, we talk about divorce and with our upcoming expert. Um, d divorce is something that uh, is one place where I find women are most vulnerable. Because not knowing all of this stuff we just talked about leaves them in a place where they don't know how to negotiate they don't know how to figure out what their lifetime income is or could be. They don't know anything about retirement plans because in a lot of cases, they were women who worked part-time and never were eligible to participate in retirement plans or what they have, they have because maybe their husbands opened an IRA for them a long time ago. So the more you know about this stuff, the better informed you are, the more you'll be able to take care of yourself and take that vulnerability out, especially the bag lady syndrome. I just can't believe how many times I have heard that and honestly have said that to myself. Really? Oh, yeah. Fear of that. Well, not you know, you know, not I'm necessarily you, I right think now, everybody but, thinks that way. Well, I think they do. But and I you think, know that old line. What? Your greatest fear is oftentimes your bet your greatest asset. I didn't hear that one. Yep. <laughs> How's that? Well, your because fear. it motivates your, you. Yeah, well, I don't know why the reason, but your fear right now is, is you just said, and is that where you're at? No. Well, no. So to the point. Yeah, but I, I think the thing is that when we, because we are worriers, generally speaking, women worry more about things. Uh, we worry about where that will be in the future. I get it. Yeah. And that's, well, that's all right. That's how it is. But those things are important to know, the solutions to those, and because it's really more common sense. And when you let the fears run the show, you, you sometimes make decisions that are not in your best interest because you're too afraid. Uh-huh. You have to be more aggressive as an investor. You have to stop worrying about those things and... Take care of yourself. That's you got the bottom it. line. There you go. All right. Spoken. 
from Lynn Evans. Yeah. Words to remember. Yes. And we will start those money circles this year. We're yes, doing we it. will. Okay, so um, we will be right back. We have our guest expert, Attorney Barbara J. O'Hara, coming up next. And you're listening to The Laurie and Lynn Show, and we will be right back. Here's Lori and Lynn. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn's show. I am Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And I am Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And as I said earlier, we have our wonderful guest expert with us today we love her we just love her attorney barbara j o'hara and lynn i don't know if you were telling barbara that last week okay you did i figured you did because lynn's in charge of all that stuff um and last so barbara we were so in, well about we were talking about prenuptial agreements and yeah. she said let's okay, yes, ask yes. barbara uh, next week, if maybe we could talk a little bit, because we never really did, I mean, specifically about that. Okay. I think we touched on it here and there. Okay. Through so, the years. Mm -hmm. But let me just tell you that, yes, my we are today we are here with attorney Barbara J. O'Hara, who is a partner with Hughes, Nichols, and O'Hara, which is on 1421 East Drinker Street in Dunmore. And Barbara has been practicing family law for 38. This is the 39th year coming the 38th up? 38th year. 38th year. Yeah. Woof, baby. So welcome, <laughs> attorney Barbara O'Hara. Welcome and happy new year. I hope it's a good Good year for both of you. Yes, Thanks. Thank you. And yesterday I got an email from Lynn saying, could we talk about prenups? Mm -hmm. And sure, sure we can talk about prenuptial agreements. And typically a prenuptial agreement is what you sign before you get married. And I, I find that they fall into a couple different categories. Sometimes it's a second marriage and they want to protect the assets from the first marriage or to make sure their their kids get their house or whatever and it kind of smooths away when you have particularly children or adult children that may not be receptive to second wife mm -hmm. because they're afraid that she's going to take all of dad's mm -hmm. stuff or if there's a family business or um, husband or wife owns a business prior to their marriage and they don't want to be dividing up that business. Because basically in Pennsylvania, the, the divorce courts look at what did you acquire from the date of your marriage to the date of your separation. So a, a prenup agreement can change that. You can say, irrespective of what the law is, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. So in the event of my... Uh, of our separation and divorce, what we're going to do is we're going to start um, from the very start saying what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So in many of these cases, you say whatever we came into the marriage with is going to remain ours, even if it increases in value, e and even if I make contributions to it. Yesterday, I had a lady with a 401k and an IRA that during this eight-year marriage, she continued to contribute to, and it said... Whatever I have, my 401k, my IRA, pension, Kehoe, all of those type of pension and retirement plans, that remains mine, even if it grows in value, even if I contribute to it during. Okay, so that was a relief to her to say, okay, fine, now I don't have to worry about this 
401k and how it's grown over the past eight years because it was already taken care of. Yeah. So, so I don't see prenups in cases where they're 25 year, years old, getting married and having virtually few assets. Yeah. But you do see them where somebody has either substantial assets or a, a business, particularly a family business, where the family says, hey, listen, we don't want to start dividing up with daughter-in-laws of them coming in here and taking part of the farm or taking part of the business, and we want to make sure that th this business is going to stay in the family. Now, and wouldn't that also be true, Barbara, even if they were 25 years old? If the parents you know, of those people had family businesses like farms. Oh, I, yes, I see that. absolutely and, want that. In Susquehanna County yeah, and, yeah. and other counties where there's mm -hmm. there's oil and gas leases, yes. I'm seeing a lot of them of, yeah, it's okay if you get married, honey, but you're not going to leave with anything. Yes. Okay, so don't yeah. think that you're taking our oil and gas money or any part mm -hmm. of the property with you. You you take the clothes you left you came in with yes you know and and yeah. basically that's what those agreements say now yeah. um they're kind of hard to negotiate because <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because realistically I think so you know you're you're marrying this person and at some point you need to have the conversation mm -hmm. of you know either i or my family wants me to sign a prenup not an easy conversation to have with someone that you love but mm -hmm. you need to have that conversation. And then typically both parties should have, have attorneys that review them. I get hired all the time by other attorneys who say, I'm drafting up a prenup. Will you review it for, for the bride or groom? And I do that. And you go through it. Now, to be candid, if, if the family says, we don't want to be giving away the farm to whomever you might marry, son, or you're, you know, you have five boys, you don't want to start dividing up this when your son's divorced, that they aren't necessarily easy things to negotiate. I mean, sometimes you can negotiate a little bit, but there's not much room in some of these cases of you're going to walk with what you came in with. <laughs> now, you can't, those agreements can provide for the things that the two of you do want to acquire. So let's say you say, okay, fine. I won't touch mom and dad's farm, but if you and I buy a house, the things that are jointly titled, we'll split those things up. And usually you're able to negotiate something like that mm -hmm. because you wouldn't want your children to start building a life with their spouse and not look at this and say, boy, doesn't matter what I do because if we ever separate or he finds a girlfriend, I'm going to walk with nothing. The one thing you can't bargain away in these is child support because, and people come in and they'll ask you if you can bargain that away. You can bargain away alimony, spousal support, alimony during the course of the divorce, which is alimony pendente lite. You can bargain away all of that, but you cannot bargain away child support because that's your child's entitlement. So let's say there's a prenup. And after 10 years, they've had three kids, and now the prenup will will decide basically what property is, is excluded from the divorce, and it might be that all of it is. And by property, I don't mean just real estate, but everything the two of you own. So you look at that and say, okay, what was our separate property? On every good prenup, it will have an attachment as to what are the assets 
that you're excluding and what are the th- what's the value of them because the only valid way to attack a prenup is to say there was a non-disclosure like let's say you were hiding hiding assets and you didn't disclose them first off it doesn't make any sense to not disclose them you're excluding them mm-hmm. so uh, but there's been there was one famous case in Lackawanna where somebody found a bank account that wasn't disclosed and they knocked out the pre prenup. So oh. all of us are so, now. So what you're now, saying is, if that's the case, then you're invalidating you, you the do, entire agreement if you don't disclose. Right. So okay. why in the world would you not disclose? That'd be silly. That would be silly. Yeah. The other way is if there's fraud or duress and literally a gun to your head. It's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. years ago before 1990, they used to look to see, was it a fair situation? So if an older man, young girl, the, and she's 18 years old and pregnant, and it's the night before the wedding, they used to look at all those circumstances. Yeah. And then in 1990, <clears throat> the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania looked at a case and said, we're not going to look at those things anymore. We don't care if they didn't have an attorney. We don't care if she was pregnant on, on the eve of, of marriage and he was 80 and she was 18. We don't care anymore. We're just going to look at this and say, as long as they're adults and everybody's made a disclosure of assets and there wasn't any true duress. Mm-hmm. Now, what's duress? It's, it's not just, oh, I didn't want to sign it and I knew he wouldn't marry me unless I signed it. That's not duress. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it literally has to be that you're absolutely positively forced. Somebody put a gun to your head and made you sign it, which doesn't happen often. Usually people make choices and, and quite honestly, representing a lot of women in, in prenups as they're signing, they'll say, well, this is as good as we're going to do. And I want to marry the guy. So I'm going to sign it and hope for the best. Um, Barbara, how long have these been in existence? Forever oh. and a day. People have long been time, right? doing prenups for a long time. Um, Longer than I've been practicing. We were talking, Lynn and I were talking about this last week about now, do you see what is, it's used to, you know, looking at it from a standard or just what typical would be the man asking the woman to sign. Do you see the opposite happening yeah. these days? Yeah, yes. more so uh, than before. Um, not more so. But no, no, more so than it used to be. Is more so than it used to be, yeah. because now you have some women who have more assets than the men that they're marrying, or a family business, or you know, some substantial real estate. And I have represented women that needed the pre- prenup going into the marriage. And how do you think it, it affects the guy when they're asked to sign that psychologically? Do you see? Is there? A, do, you, do you think there's a difference? I don't know. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, I, you know what? I, that, in those a, cases, a I was. Study, I was. That is okay. a good study, okay. and that's beyond my area of expertise. Mm-hmm. I know the legal end, but psychologically, I, I've heard people say to me, "Boy, I don't like doing this because it's like planning for failure." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yes. I mean, I can the, understand that thought process. If you it's, look at it statistically, fifty-two <clears> percent. <throat> of marriages and in divorce, mm-hmm. I can understand your family saying, we don't want to be giving up our real estate in the event of your divorce, you know, or buying her out. I, I can understand that. And particularly as a parent of three adult children, I can understand that. But um, I do understand the, the mentality also of, you know, why are we thinking about divorce before we're even married? Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I will throw something else in here, too, because what you're talking about is very traditional, the reasons why people would go and get a prenuptial agreement because of the assets in the mm -hmm. family and whatever. But I ran into a situation, personally, where there was another reason to consider doing a prenuptial agreement, and that's because with my not-yet-husband, um, he had um, an ex-wife, and they had a child together. Mm -hmm. And she had historically used her child as a wedge to get things from her ex-husband. My concern was that if we get into this marriage, that she will continue to use him, her son, as leverage for her, his father mm -hmm. to start giving her things that she's not entitled to. Right. So I wanted the prenuptial agreement to guarantee that my assets would not be tapped into for that purpose. That's true. That's a very different yeah. situation. It is a different you know? situation, but yeah. accomplishes the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So the reasons for that are not the standard reasons that most people think about, you know, is, and then my mom also had a prenuptial agreement because she was married for the second time mm -hmm. and she had assets that came from my father that she wanted to go to us. To yeah, that's what I'm siblings. seeing a lot of times. That's traditional, yes. you know, yeah. and then he had his own and he had his children and they all got their right. stuff. But that was easy. But I think what we were talking about last week is not just what are you doing going into the marriage, but how does that affect the estate planning piece of it as well? Because a lot of people don't think about <clears throat> those aspects of it, that uh, that's what I want for my children. Oh. I don't want everybody to get this, you know. So it kind of follows be before and after. It does. Yeah. And, and a good prenup is going to say this is in the event of a divorce but also in the also in the event of um my death yes so that you can say anything you want in there you can say if we're still married at the time of my death then you'll still you can still collect as my as my spouse mm -hmm. and that you're not waiving mm -hmm. uh, you're not waiving your rights but uh, you're right you you can mold this into anything you want Okay. and to accomplish what and you want. And that's a good idea. Yeah, yes. great information. Barbara, please tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. I'm located in Dunmore at 1421 East Drinker Street, and I can be reached at 570-344-7171. I practice in Lackawanna, Luzerne, Wayne, Wyoming, and Susquehanna. Woohoo! Thank we you. Go. Well, thank right. you very much. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful weekend. We will see you next week. Be safe, and please be nice. Bye. Bye.